I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Base Layer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David and this is your new episode of Base Layer. Happy 2023 to everyone out there. Very excited to have Evan, the CEO and founder of Mintify with us today. Evan, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. With Mintify, you have the ability to discover and analyze NFT economics and economies. And also you have a very, very powerful suite of interfaces. They really have tried to build what they call the NFT terminal for pro traders and be able to find information about NFTs, get some information about why NFTs might be pricing X or Y. It's very interesting. There's more to it. And so we'll talk all about what Mintify is giving to users out there that are in the world of NFTs. But before we do that, Evan, what we like to do on the show is find out a little bit more about our founders, what inspired them, what did they do before this? So Evan, if you could, what did you do before Mintify? And then walk us through the process of how you got inspired to become a builder here. Yeah, thank you. So mom, I'm, I'm based in New York right now. I moved with my wife a couple of years ago. I'm Greek originally, born and raised. So I started my journey when I was like 16, 17 years old as a self-taught designer and developer. So I created a couple uh, websites, blogs that I was monetizing, and then I exited by the age of 18. I joined the Navy for about a year, and then I went out and started shipping and finance and did something completely different. <laughs> I opened up a media agency from which we're basically focused on digital advertising, uh, and marketing services across Europe, working mostly with startups at that point. So we've worked on that agency for about a year and a half. And then we came up with the idea of Gadgetflow, uh, my Web2 company that I've been scaling for the past uh, 10 years. Gadgetflow is a product discovery platform. We reach over 30 million consumers on a monthly basis. We work with Fortune 500 brands, tens of thousands of customers, including lots of crowdfunding campaigns. And with, we work with lots of entrepreneurs and startups as well. and I I basically jumped into crypto in 2015, so about a year and a half before the massive bull run of 2017. I started writing about it on Forbes, Inc. and Huffington Post, along with entrepreneurship-related articles and marketing. And then I got exposure into NFTs in early 2021, but I was actually moving to the States for good at that point. So I was kind of like, I'm just going to bookmark this and you know get back to it at some point, right? That was that was right about the time that Board Ape Yacht Club was minting, actually. So as soon as it was settled here in the States, I basically started minting some projects, uh, minted Artifact, the Clonex collection, uh, some high-profile NFTs like the Proof Collection by Kevin Rose. So I started getting exposure, started trading, and I jumped into that world. And what I quickly realized was that there were like lots of different tools. Uh, and a lot of infrastructure that was missing at that time. So long story short, around December 2021, I put together a small team 
uh, basically a good friend of mine and the CTO from my Web2 company that we've been working together for over 10 years at this point. And we mapped out like the MVP of Mintify and we started working uh, full-time on Mintify on January 2022. And we then released basically our MVP in March uh, last year. That's great. And if we can really kind of dig down a little bit deeper, what about NFTs specifically inspired you and obviously your teammates? What about the the technology, about the collectibles? What about them really resonated with you, if you can kind of isolate that? Yeah, it's a great question. So I grew up, you know, as a gamer into tech, sci-fi movies. And I think that most people from my generation always had this idea of like, you know, they didn't call it like digital uh, digital currency at that point. Obviously, they called it virtual currency, right? Like for movies like The Matrix, Dune and this and that, um, you always had this kind of like feeling that digital will become more valuable in the years to come. And, you know, like as you were basically playing games such as World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, and you're kind of like discovering and going over like all these digital economies, let's just say, right? With the packages and the digital collectibles that had nothing to do with blockchain technology or, you know, them being like non-fungible tokens at that point, right? Like 2004, 2005. So what got me excited with crypto to start with in 2014, 2015 was that I kind of saw crypto as the beginning of this whole new world that's only going to get better. So I kind of tried to apply what happened with Web1 technically right, or, or early days of the internet in general. And I, and I kind of saw that something similar is happening, but it's more, you know, it's like more around, I would say, like uh, NFT-based economies that are going to be coming over in the, in the coming years from like exotic asset classes and like ecosystems that are being built. So what initially got me excited was the fact that I was at the right time at the right age with the right resources, as well as the right experience to make an impact and to be able to contribute and build something during the early days of that new era, basically. Right. Out of curiosity, with your background of being from Greece, in 2009, as we all know, the Greek financial crisis started and those that were in the country saw massive bank runs they saw their money being held we saw austerity and for many people within the digital asset ecosystem and i think the the winklevi brothers also mentioned this in their book that that was a moment for them that they saw well if that can happen to greece that can happen you know to move any place around the world did any of that also for you, your family, your friends, seeing those types of events, did that also resonate with you with digital assets in general? Absolutely, 100%. But I was like, I think that at that point, I wasn't, you know, I couldn't actually connect the dots, primarily due to my age and my experience, right? I couldn't connect the dots with like macroeconomics and like decentralization. I didn't see that in a way that's in a way that I'm seeing it today a big believer of like blockchain technology and like how things can evolve in the years to come. But I feel like we have so much room for improvement. And, you know, on the regulatory side, there's just so many things that need to happen for us to keep innovating the right way. Right. 
You know, I think that was, uh, as I said, a pinnacle moment for many people around the world. We've seen that happen to other countries around the world where we've seen their currencies hyperinflate. We've seen pictures of people around the world in certain parts of the world where they're effectively burning their money because it has zero value or almost a negative value. And so I was just curious, obviously, but moving forward, you know, we want to talk about Mintify here and what you all have built. So pretend that you are talking to someone right now, you know, we're on a, you know, we're having coffee and you're talking to someone who maybe knows about Bitcoin, knows about Ethereum. It's been around now for a few years and obviously we just came out of a very big bull cycle. So some people have an idea. I wouldn't say everyone has deep knowledge about this, but they have a general purpose idea of some of these assets here. Mm-hmm. What would you tell people what Mintify solves for? What are this, you know, so you, you alluded to it in, in your you know description of what it, you know, kind of what you've been building here, but what to you are the massive pain points that you're trying to address? And as a again, as people start to look at Mintify, and we'll put links to the website, you guys can you know find out, you know, with the docs that they have there. It's very uh well done. You know, the idea is that information in Positive markets and in down markets is always critical. And I would say in down markets, real-time information, data analytics is even more important as you're trying to ascertain what's happening in the markets out there. And so with something like a Bloomberg that arose in the early 1980s when Mike left Solomon Brothers, that was because a lot of the data and the pricing information, especially on bonds, was kind of opaque. You couldn't really know what that was unless you had very deep ties to a lot of the sell-side brokers who were you know, putting them to the market. And so all of a sudden, the terminal started coming about, it started to pull data, and you started to get more transparency on the debt markets. And then they went to the equity markets, and now they went to the FX markets, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The idea is that a terminal such as that is giving a user the ability to have a tremendous amount of transparency about the markets that they're following. So, you know, talk to us about what you thought some of the pain points were and how you started to address them with Mintify. Yeah, absolutely. What a great introduction, actually. Yeah, I think that we're kind of experiencing the same thing if you think about it. When when I came up with the idea of Mintify, I was I was more, let's say interested in building an infrastructure and basically creating a one-fits-all solution around pro-trading, not necessarily just trading, and making sure that whoever is using a product has access to like all kinds of information. I can also talk about some of the revolutionary features that are coming in the next couple of weeks, considering that this episode is going to air in a week. But yeah, I think that the bread and butter of Mintify right now is that the reason we're calling it a terminal is because we control the infrastructure. And one of the main reasons that the Bloomberg terminal became very popular is because of its performance and because of its infrastructure, not just the front end environment and what it offers you, but also what powers it. So we've spent a good part of 2022, basically last year, fine tuning and creating and a very scalable infrastructure, like almost enterprise grade at this point. We've bootstrapped uh, Mintify up until like we raised our seed round with our lead investors, Arca, uh, and Endeavor as well. And basically, the product that we've built and put out as our MVP was an NFT aggregator and a trading platform. 
So you can, we are connected directly with the biggest marketplaces right now in the space. So you can execute orders directly through the Mintify ecosystem by us piggybacking, in a sense, the smart contracts of those marketplaces. So I'm just going to give you an, an, an example because it may sound weird to people that are not that familiar with what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say that you want to purchase a digital collectible or an NFT, right? No matter how you call it. There are marketplaces that have deployed smart contracts that can execute those transactions through those marketplaces. And the old school model, I'd say, of you know them taking fees, it's like Amazon is taking fees from like, sellers and eBay is taking fees from like sellers as well, right? So it's kind of like the same model applies here. What's different is that the sale and the transaction takes place on a decentralized environment, if you think about it. The smart contract that's that's like deployed can be used from third parties, which opens up the world for products like Mintify to use multiple gateways, let's say, from, from those smart contracts to initiate trades from places outside of the marketplace. So then it becomes really crucial for someone to to have access to like those order books directly from third parties, which means that you're now competing for the experience. So when we're pitching Mintify to some of our investors uh, earlier last year, we were saying that we're we're basically, we're, you know, we're after the experience layer, by the way, in, in a way, because if everyone has access to this open world, let's say, of blockchain technology, because blockchain is public, you can you can read, get access to those transactions, you can see what wallets are moving around, which kind of assets. But if everyone has access to that kind of information, then how are you competing? You're competing with the experience. You're competing with the features that we're building. And you're trying to build a product that your users will have a competitive edge, you know, versus using other products or just the basic marketplaces themselves. So... From our end, bringing all those order books under one roof, allowing our pro traders to execute trades directly from Mintify from market, multiple marketplaces using a single page versus having 10 tabs open on your browser, for example, with each marketplace is what we're, what we're basically, fo- what we've been focused on throughout 2022. And in 2023, what we're doing is that since we completed the infrastructure, it's going to be all about becoming like a multi-chain pro trading platform, but at the same time, introducing a new way of trading, a new trading experience that we've been working on for a few months now that brings basically modularity into trading and lets you trade NFT-based economies. And NFT-based economies can be virtual land, it could be music NFTs, it could be all kinds of exotic asset classes such as gaming collectibles. The thing is that it's not just numbers like you trade, for instance, a stock or just crypto. With digital collectibles and NFT in general, there's going to be different needs per asset class that you're trading. So right now, you know, we're we're basically back to the drawing board, like (laughs) trying to figure out um, how would you trade a music uh, NFT? How would you trade virtual land? And some of the solutions that we came up with are like integrating with third party platforms or even the products themselves. It says sandboxes and API So as you're trading a block on Sandbox, you can actually have a module within the terminal that shows you that you can interact with and that shows you where that block is on the actual map. So in that case, as you select that token ID from that particular collection, you don't have to have like another tab open again on your browser to go on the Sandbox website to see, for instance, 
um, you know, who are your neighbors? <laughs> right. That's important. You know, that's one of the things that we started to see in 2022 as regards to land, if you want to call it the metaverse, whatever you want to call it, land and sandbox and decentraland and other places, irregardless of what you may or may not think right now as you're listening to us talk about, you know, digital assets, about crypto, about metaverses, about Web3, large brands, Nike, Adidas, Prada, Gucci have set up storefronts here. And as Evan alluded to, he was a gamer. There's 3 billion gamers around the world. They're used to mm-hmm. going to Minecraft. They're used to going to Fortnite. This is where they socialize. This is where they game. This is where they spend hours. If you look at data on Fortnite since its inception about 2017, I think about 10 billion hours have been played on Fortnite. So you can think that, you know, eyes are going to start going to mom and pop shops. are going to go to brick and mortar shops. But I would tell you that I think, and I think a lot of us think that, you know, 3 billion users out there have been trained for years and years and years to look in front of themselves in a screen. Uh, and that's where they interact. And that's what they're used to. And so yet again, you know, what Evan's alluding to is that with land, um, it's become very interesting, because as I said, again, you have large brands, there are even districts in Sandbox or Decentraland, there's the fashion district where you'll see the Nikes, the Gucci's, the Prada's, there are others out there that will set up specific districts for specific types of business and industry. And so for each one of those, there's scarcity. And for each one of those, there are different prices. And so trying to figure out that is, as Evan's alluding to, and correct me if I'm wrong, not very easy to do unless you have a lot of data in front of you that's compiled in a way that makes it easy for you to see. Yep. That's that's exactly, you, you framed it perfectly. And I think that uh, it's not just for the data. Data, obviously, is one of the most important things, but it's also like the competitive landscape of like pro trading, even though there's only a few tens of thousands of pro traders right now in the space that probably are doing this, you know, on a full time basis. It's a very, very competitive landscape. So everyone is actually after the latest and the greatest tool, the fastest, you know, trade execution, let's see platform or the fastest UI. There are many components around NFT trading, unlike crypto trading. So for instance, what we're trying to bring within the next couple of quarters is crypto trading mechanics to NFTs, because that doesn't exist right now. So for instance, how do you put a stop loss into an NFT or into a collectible? You can't do that right now. But as we see like, you know, all these different asset classes becoming more and more relevant in the coming months and years, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be a need around like, you know, NFT pro trading and pro tooling. So this is what we're building. So for instance, like how do you, how can you buy multiple NFTs from multiple collections? You you know, we're talking about features that are not necessarily available in the marketplace level because the marketplaces were initially built for the normies and the people that are, you know, tipping their toes into like NFT trading and they want to buy, for example, like you said, a Gucci NFT that doesn't make it necessarily like one of the best NFTs because it's a Gucci brand. We're seeing like, that most of the big brands in general are not are not as successful as they hoped for right now in the NFT space, and I think that the main reason for that is that we're way uh, behind from like you know we're not even close at becoming like mainstream anytime soon, and these are like mainstream brands. Uh, so a pro trader who's going to trade, for instance, like I saw a tweet yesterday, a funny one. There was a fund that traded like some foot JPEGs as they called them. And they've made like a nice 20% profit and like hundreds of thousands of dollars, if I remember correctly. 
So these are like, in order for you to make those kind of trades, you need tooling that's available to like a, like a really small group of people, right? That are trading. Like, I think that funds are going to deploy more and more capital in the coming months and in the coming years. Mm-hmm. And as more normies come into the ecosystem, I just, I, I personally think that there's going to be like a lot of interest around those big brands that are already like dipping their toes into NFTs. But we're not there yet. Like we're, <laughs> I think that we're like months or years before that actually happens. Right. So as we are getting to the top of, you know, the hour here with the time that we have with you, Evan, I, I think one of the things that we always like to do, and you already alluded to it, but imagine again, someone's listening here and they were like, okay, I want to go on Mintify's website and I want to start picking up some data and I want to start looking at some prices you know, the UI UX is set up. You can actually start to do that today. Mm-hmm. What do you, what would you, you started to talk about this kind of like in the next six months, you know, just lay out some things that for those that are listening here, what should they start to expect? You know, if they're writing down notes, like, okay, Mintify is going to do this, this, and this, and this in the next few months, as you already started to kind of lay it out, what are some of the key, key aspects of a build out that you're going to introduce in 2023 that you think for the person who's trying to get into NFTs is going to be really important for them. Yeah. So I think 20, in 2023, we're going to see a lot of different asset classes coming up, coming out basically. And we're planning on supporting those asset classes as soon as next month, whether that's like uh, music NFTs, that whether that's like trade-based NFTs that are swappable with using like on-chain data. Uh, I think I just think that the whole market will become like way more complicated not necessarily for those that are part of the market, but for those like that are you know interesting in testing things out. That said, on the Mintify side, we're going to be rolling out the new version of our terminal that's modular, which means that you can customize your trading modules as you trade different asset classes. So if you're trading, for, exa- for example, like music NFTs, uh, you'll be able to have like a playback module. If you're trading virtual land, you can interact with the actual map. If you're trading digital, like gaming collectibles, you can interact, you know, in 3D or even augmented reality in some cases with the actual item that you're trading. On top of that, we want to bring like as many like features around like crypto trading to NFTs throughout 2023. As mentioned earlier, putting a stop loss or creating a limit buy for NFTs and make sure that we're tapping into every single liquidity pool that's available in the market because liquidity is one of the most important things in NFT trading right now, like if you were to deploy like $10 million, like it's not something that you can do, for instance, overnight or with just with just a couple of clicks, right? Unlike stocks. So having access to liquidity pools uh, and multiple liquidity pools, like uh, from third parties, from marketplaces, from other aggregators is quite important. And I think that's one of the biggest milestones that we're aiming for right now for 2023. Awesome. And as I said, we'll put the link to Mentify and everything else out there. But do you guys write blogs? You know, tell people, you know, I, I know you do, but, you know, tell people where they can, you know, find out, you know, blogs or maybe some more kind of any kind of base information about NFTs that you guys like. Where do you guys go? So you can you can find us on Mintify.xyz. We obviously have our own mirror blog. I think that the whole NFT world lives on Discord. <laughs> Some people are not going to be happy about that because not a lot of people are actually fans of Discord, but (laughs) it is what it is. Most of the resources around like demos and how-to tutorials, 
you can find them on Discord. Or and we're also we've also built like our docs page that's like giving you a nice breakdown of like everything that we're offering and how to as well as some you know how to use the platform. And for like latest updates, you can subscribe to our newsletter or just follow us on Twitter. Awesome. So Zevin, CEO and founder of Mintify, a investment that we have made uh, at Arca in our venture fund and uh, our NFT fund. And so Evan, it was great to get you on today, talk about what you built, talk about to, uh, 2023, about the NFT world of NFTs, and uh, we'll have you on again soon. Good luck. Speak to you soon. Thanks for having me, David. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.